All right, Wrestling With Theology fans, this is Pastor Doug Minton. It is Thursday, and we are looking forward to digging deeper into the Psalms, especially today as we look at some of the really good ones, Psalm 110, 111, and 112, as we see God at work in salvation, especially. All right, Psalm 110, probably the most familiar of these three, a Psalm of David. The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. The Lord sends forth from Zion your mighty scepter. Rule in the midst of your enemies. Your people will offer themselves freely on the day of your power in holy garments. From the womb of the morning, the dew of your youth will be yours. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. The Lord is at your right hand. He will shatter kings on the day of his wrath. He will execute judgment upon the nations, filling them with corpses. He will shatter chiefs over the wide earth. He will drink from the brook by the way. Therefore, he will lift up his head. So far, Psalm 110. And we have a couple of wonderful portions here that get repeated again and again, especially in the epistle to the Hebrews. Starting off in verse 1, The Lord says to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. The author to the Hebrews makes point of this, but Jesus makes a bigger point of it. When he asks the chief priests and the scribes, who is the Christ? Is he David's son or David's Lord? And quotes this verse, the Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Where is this? Obviously, it's in heaven. So who can this possibly be talking about? Well, it's the ascended Jesus, sitting at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. And that judgment comes after all of his enemies have been made his footstool. And Paul goes on in 1 Corinthians 15 to talk about the last enemy is death. So once death is completely done, once it is time for all people to be brought together for judgment, then Jesus comes back as David's Lord, but also David's son. But he's not also just from the royal line of David. He's also a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Melchizedek is one of those great figures and I could probably spend this entire time just trying to flesh out Melchizedek. But it's really simple. He is more than likely the pre-incarnate Christ appearing to Abraham. Because of his description in Genesis. Well, first of all, Melchizedek means king of righteousness. And he is the king of Salem, which comes from Shalom which means peace. So if he is the king of Salem and the king of peace, who else could that be but Jesus? Even in his pre-incarnate form, appearing to Abraham, in which Abraham gives him tithes as a priest of God Most High. And here is where we have that first and truly only real melding of the offices of priest and king is in the person of Melchizedek, that he is called a, the king of Salem, but he is also a priest of the Most High God. 
This is only a thing that Jesus can do because the Davidic line, all the kings, could not do the priestly roles. The priest could not, would not ever be in line to become king. Those two things were completely disjointed from each other in, in the Old Covenant, brought together in Christ. And that is the thrust of Psalm 110, is that Christ is here. He is priest and king, sitting at the right hand of God right now. So what do we do about it? Well, that moves us into Psalm 111. Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord of my whole heart in the company of the upright and the congregation. Great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them. Full of splendor and majesty is his work, and his righteousness endures forever. He has caused his wondrous works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and merciful. He provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. He has shown his people the power of his works in giving them the inheritance of the nations. The works of his hands are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever to be performed with faithfulness and uprightness. He sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. So what do we do with this priest and king, who's also a prophet, but that didn't really fit into Psalm 110? What do we do with this Jesus? We praise him for his wonderful works. Great are the works of the Lord. Studied, not just observed and noticed, but studied. What do these things mean? Full of splendor and majesty is his work, and his righteousness endures forever. We study to show ourselves approved, but we also study so that we can be better suited to understanding Jesus. Because try as we may, we are never this side of heaven going to be at a place where we completely understand Jesus, where we completely get everything that he did. And that's part of the beauty of Christianity, is that we don't need to know everything. We just need to trust what we have and what we do understand to be only the tip of the iceberg. And he goes on. He provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. This is a continuing theme throughout this fifth book of the Psalms, starting from 107 a couple of weeks ago all the way through 150, that he remembers his covenant forever. This is the great promise of these Psalms, is that he doesn't forget. He doesn't change it. He remembers it forever. It stands forever. Because the works of his hands are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever. What he has done remains forever. His promises, his judgments, everything remains forever. He is not going to change his mind that, well, okay, you know, before 2006, this was a sin. But now, after 2006, it's no longer a sin. 
Jesus doesn't do that. We might do that because we want to try to make ourselves out like the world. But that's really like the infamous finger poke of doom in WCW, World Championship Wrestling. Kevin Nash had won the title. He was a member of the New World Order, a stable led by Hollywood Hulk Hogan. And as the leader, he was the one who should have been the World Heavyweight Champion. But the way it was written out, they weren't going to give him the title. So Kevin Nash, as one of the members, says he'll defend the title regardless of what the promoters, what the backstage crew wants them to do, and he'll defend it. So he walks into the ring. Hogan pokes him in the chest with his finger. He falls down. Hogan covers him. One, two, three. New world heavyweight champion. That's what we do when we decide, well, yeah, it used to be a sin, but now it really isn't anymore. I mean, it's just too commonplace to really call it a sin. Well, we still call murder a sin. It's all over the place. I'm two hours south of Chicago. Murder is around. Uh, we still call stealing a sin. But, well, you know, if it's not going to help people, uh, oh, it's, you know, we really need to buy. We really need to divert that money somewhere else where it can do more good. I mean, we can justify anything all we want. That doesn't make it any different. That doesn't change whether it is a sin or not. God's word remains forever. It endures forever. And with that, he has sent redemption to his people. Holy and awesome is his name. And here is one of the great taglines of the Psalms. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Wisdom can only start by first fearing the Lord. And this not being afraid, like he's going to hurl thunderbolts at you and strike you dead right on the spot, but that reverent fear of being in his presence because he is your creator. He is the one who has given you life in this world and has promised you salvation and life in the world to come. All those who practice wisdom have a good understanding. They begin to understand that practicing of wisdom and the practicing of the fear of the Lord, that brings about great benefits. That brings about the understanding of the scriptures. That helps you to wrestle with the theologies that are out there saying, well, this can't be all that bad anymore. Well, that is the problem, isn't it? And we have to stand firm as people of the word. Which is where Psalm 112 comes in, especially as the ESV puts the heading on it, the righteous will never be moved. Just as God's judgments and word is fixed, so we, in believing that word, are fixed in our minds. Here is Psalm 112. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. His offspring will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Light dawns in the darkness for the upright. He is gracious, merciful, and righteous. It is well with the man who deals generously and lends, who conducts his affairs with justice. 
for the righteous will never be moved. He will be remembered forever. He is not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. His heart is steady. He will not be afraid until he looks in triumph on his adversaries. He has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn is exalted in honor. The wicked man sees it and is angry. He gnashes his teeth and melts away. The desire of the wicked will perish. So far, Psalm 112. Again, starting off with, Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord. That is the great thing. The blessing that we have begins with fearing the Lord. And then that blessing can be that his offspring will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches. Because his righteousness endures forever. Light dawning in the darkness. That even in our darkest moments, the light of Christ still shines. The righteous will never be moved. He will be remembered forever. And that is a great blessing in and of itself. People ask, especially among the evangelicals, do you know Jesus? A better question is, does Jesus know you? And yes, as God, Jesus knows everybody. But that knowledge of being in a relationship with him, of being saved by him, that he has called you by name, that is more important than amassing a doctorate degree in Jesus trivia. Being known by him, much better. Because the righteous is not afraid of bad news. Bad things happen in this world. We see it all the time. The news is full of it. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. His heart is steady. He will not be afraid until he looks in triumph on his adversaries. Until he looks with the blessing of God over all those who are not blessed by God, but are ultimately cursed and ultimately condemned to hell. Not that we gloat over that, not that that's what heaven is going to be like, but it is going to be the triumph and the songs of triumph that we will sing as we will look at when we get to Revelation in a few months. We see that the righteous will not be moved because the righteous are there in the palm of Jesus' hand. Just like he tells the disciples in John 10, just like Isaiah says in chapter 49, I have engraved you in the palms of my hands. You, dear Christian, are engraved in the palms of Jesus' hands, in the nail marks that still mark his hands, showing that his sacrifice has paid your way into heaven, that through him you can properly fear God, and through him you have life everlasting. And with that knowledge, you can stand. You can wrestle with all the theologies around you because you know where you're going at the end. Win, lose, or draw in this life, you ultimately win with Christ. That's it for this week. I thank you for being here, digging deeper with me into the Psalms. We keep getting closer and closer Eventually, we will get to Psalm 119 and spend a little time there. But until then, we enjoy the shorter psalms as we get up to that, the longest chapter in the Bible. Until then, 
until next time, this is Pastor Doug Minton thanking you for digging deeper with me into the Psalms so that we may all be strengthened to wrestle with the theologies around us. Amen.